Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I am Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you doing? I'm doing uh, well. I'm a little, fru- I'm a little frustrated, Shad. Yeah. Because I was trying Te- to use Skype on my computer, and it was not working. Yeah. Technical difficulties so. have reared their head. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. We're going to get our shout-outs taken care of right here at the beginning. The first one will go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand. Collar and Elbow brand.com use the promo code four corners podcast that's number four capital c corners capital p in podcast save 10 percent off your order uh folks in eastern kentucky are still trying to dig out of the mess that happened from the big more than once in a century flood that happened if you'd be inclined to help them go through apple shop a-p-p-a-l-s-h-o-p.org they'll make sure that donations get where they need to go, and then we pass the ball to Matt. Uh, yeah, that'd be to Orlando Cologne. Uh, you know, Orlando Cologne, I don't know if he's ever fought a bear, but he he could just destroy one. Just <laughs> re- wrestle that thing into the ground. Uh, long history of wrestling bears, guys. Uh, and True, Orlando yes. Cologne, I think, would be a great champion against them. Bret Hart used to eat ice cream and one lived under the porch. I think it was Victor? I remember stories about the. There was a story about Roddy Piper wrestling a bear, and the guy was, the guy, the promoter came up behind him, was like patting him on the back to reassure him, and is smearing honey up and down his lower back. Oh God, I I've seen, <laughs> I've seen. There's one on the Wrestling Gold DVD set, but that's its trainer, and then I've seen the Destroyer wrestle one, and then I think Tracy Smothers I've seen wrestle one. Ooh. Every just... single one of those bears have got to have black bears, right? Yeah, they're they're fairly smallish. Yeah, black so, bears, I, I think, in general, are roughly human size, maybe slightly smaller than humans. I think they still weigh like 400 pounds, but... Oh, no, they're big, but yeah. I mean, they you, you can actually, like, in theory, you could square off with a black bear and... It actually doesn't really have that much interest in like actually like fighting you. No, so, you can, that you're supposed to fight with those. It's the um, the ones the where it's place. just like you need to bend over and kiss your ass goodbye as, a, as the grizzly bear and the polar bear. Polar bear. Yeah. yeah. They'll just chew on you. Because oh, polar bears. Yeah, polar bears are like just another level, but sea bears in general, the grizzly bears pretty much grizzly bear versus like anything else. On land, grizzly bear is going to win. I mean, actually, a uh, grizzly bear versus like a lion or a tiger. Can it, it just it's just so much. Mass. It's so damn. 
it's so damn strong that it literally, if, if it, like a lion or a tiger tried to attack it, it literally could just like swipe its paw and just like cave in their skull. So I got a, on a kick a couple years ago, and I've listened to several stories now about from people that got mauled by grizzly bears. And the thing I learned from that is actually they're all fairly similar in what they do, but the mistake people make is um, they play dead, but they they the bear kind of hangs around to make sure you're dead just out of sight and most of them get up too early and they get secondary maulings because they don't they get up too mm. early that's what i've learned and they they try so they like to drag you into the underbrush and like crack your skull and once they think you're dead they're they're good they're not trying to eat you they're just trying to kill you well sometimes so, they will eat you yeah only sometimes. if they're desperate and that uh... That's like well, if you're hanging around. That's like if you're hanging around in November and um the the weak ones that are desperate are around. That's how um that idiot in Alaska got killed. Grizzly man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was he was particularly dumb because he'd be like seeing a bear, <laughs> like a grizzly bear, which is just massive, and it'd be like ten feet away from him, like scratching his back on a on a tree. And the whole tree is moving. And it's like, dude, that's like a big tree. And the mass of this thing is just making it sway, scratching its back on it. And he'd be like, oh, who's a good bear? Who's a good bear? And the bear would just be like looking at him like, who is this dumb asshole? (laughs) Why is he still here? And eventually one of the old bears, hungry, just got like, oh, yeah, well, you're my meal tonight. (laughs) This is DoorDash. Yeah, it's what this yeah. is. I'm pretty so, sure, though, in like you, um, Yellowstone, that the bison kill more people than the bears do. Yeah, because probably because people get too bison. close to them. Well, because yep. they're stupid yeah. and the bison will just chuck you 20 feet with with nary. Because because this is how like this is how I knew you need to give bison a wide berth. I mean, not that I didn't know before because they're giant, but. The the trainer with one of them got gored at the zoo two years ago. And it's like if a professional is mm. getting gored by one of those things, like, no, thank you. I actually uh, encountered one at Yellowstone. We went there when a uh, family trip when I was in high school and one just kind of walked across the boardwalk where we were. And I was trying to move very slowly because <clears throat> what I had been told I'm, I'm saying that very judiciously for a reason. What I had been told was that you don't want to make sudden movements and startle them because that's part of what kicks off, you know, the, the violent response. And it's it's kind of like the sheer size. If you've ever been around a horse or a cow or a bull or something like that, it's that but a lot more so. Because they are not just big. They are like I'm 6'3 and the the hump on the shoulder of this thing was higher than my head. So Mm -hmm. it it, it was a humbling experience to see such a large creature just mosey through a group of humans with no dams whatsoever to give. She's like, nope, y'all are going to move. Also, I'm coming through. Also, fun fact, if you're in the wilderness, also dangerous as fuck, moose. Oh, yeah. Oh, Probably the scary. most dangerous because they are nearsighted, they're dumb, and they're aggressive. Especially if they're a male in mating season, then you're going to get yeah the shit yeah. beat out of you. 
So why are we doing the, you know, National Geographic Nature Hour? This is actually all one long segue because uh, Brad had the idea that we we hadn't done a movie review in a while. And Brad had a movie that he wanted us to review. So, Brad, what did we get into? So we this was actually on Peacock, and this was kind of the talk of the town for a bit this, earlier this year because – I don't think have we really gotten a movie like this in in, in any time recently? It's been a minute, I think. Yeah, so we we decided to do Cocaine Bear. <laughs> this is currently on Peacock if you want to watch it and then come back and, and listen to the show. So, um, we kind of ranged the gamut on this to one of us didn't really like it, one of us liked it, and one of us kind of was in the middle about it. So. <laughs> Um, I want I want to start with the thing. Like I'm sorry. It's the old Mitch Hedberg joke. I was in a band. People loved us or they hated us or they thought we were kind of okay. Well, I I want to I want to talk about what I think are the universal strengths of this movie that I think we'd all agree on. One, I was shocked and flabbergasted when this was only 90 minutes long. That is like a lost art form in in movie form. It was a nice it, surprise. It's very unlike most modern stuff because it's like it just goes on and on like i i was trying recently to watch some of like the the marvel movies from the last like two three oh, years God, that i've not dude. not seen and it's like they're all like two and a half three hours long and it's like why like i've i've tried i've been trying to watch eternals for like two months and it's like Great, i'll man. watch i'll watch maybe like 10 minutes at a time and then it's like this is too long and then that, yeah i'm not finishing it because it's like three hours long that, it's like, there, little, there's no purpose that new little mermaid movie is two hours and 20 minutes the new indie is 20 minutes longer than any of the previous movies i'm gonna look and see what the original little mermaid I, how long that was i, I bet, bet you, you it's like i bet you it 90 was, minutes no i bet you it was i i will I'm going to go out a limit. I'm going to say 82 minutes. Okay. Let's see. Look it up. Here we are guessing length of movies. Because if you watch like some really old movies, sometimes you'll hit one that's like 63 minutes long. And it. Brad? Yep. You're off by like one minute. It's 83 minutes. Wow. That was a good guess. Was a good guess. But, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, people always try to justify that and say, oh, well, your kids just need ADHD meds. Like, no, like, I don't want – well, one, like, if I had children, I wouldn't want them to sit through a two-and-a-half-hour movie. No, they don't have – look, speaking as someone who has a toddler, it's like, no, two-and-a-half, like, that long, no. They don't have the attention span for it. You're pushing like it my, at 90 minutes unless it's good. My daughter is – her pretty much her favorite is uh Moana. I think Moana is like maybe like an hour forty five. But that's about it. Like I, I don't I can't see her going longer, really. Yeah. And not at this stage. Like down the road, yes. But well, I mean and especially like up until like six or seven, like making them go two and a half hours without using the bathroom is just like asking a lot. I, I've had to take my kids my my kid to uh some of these like live event stuff yeah. not that many because the stuff gets really expensive mm-hmm. and uh chat chat maybe you've gone to some but like we've taken her to blippy like once we take yeah. her to like a peppa pig one i the thing is that the whole show 
if you actually like do the actual like time of the actual uh, stage production is like an hour. Yeah. But after 30 minutes, they take intermission. It's like, oh, go to the potty, uh, have a break. It's they like know. 30 minutes, yeah. 30 minutes, and then it's a break. Then you they know what they're doing. The, the remaining 30 minutes. Yeah. Well, there's a reason like the Looney Tunes and like most short cartoons are like seven minutes. Mm-hmm. But I also want to say the other thing I appreciate about this movie is it's very much old school in its presentation because like I'm not going to I'm not at no point am I going to claim this is like some cinematic masterpiece because it's not. But I like that it's very old school and that it doesn't treat you like you're stupid. It's not like a lot of new movies where it's like we have to add an extra 20 minutes because we have to we have to explain everything to these simpletons like this movie has the confidence in itself to just non-verbally communicate information at times or weigh you down with unnecessary and needless uh, plot like subplots yeah. yeah like i won't say this is completely free of that but it's it's minimal it gives the, it gives the characters enough pretense to like be in the area mm. so there is a the, one of the well i think the best example of what you're saying is that there is a group of juvenile delinquents that show up in this movie. And you know what? We don't get like, Oh, they have a tragic backstory and we have to explain why they are the way they're just little shits who think they're tough guys because they Shanghai hikers and threaten them with a knife. And they learn, they learn their mistake pretty quickly. with uh, <laughs> David. Yeah. Um, you know what? And we don't have this whole big like, oh, they're poor, misunderstood. It's like, nope, 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 nope. We're 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 discarding that entire line of thought. I think the um, kids get the most like build up, like as far as like backstory. I th- yes, and I think that's because they need the most build up of why they're on site you know no, i don't i want to know what happened to the one kid's hulk hogan championship belt because it disappeared hmm. he was wearing it late in the movie oh i didn't notice that yeah there's okay <clears throat> everybody out there we're just i'm just gonna go ahead and say this now it's gonna be difficult for us to talk about this a lot without getting into at least mild spoiler territory so if you are incredibly invested in the uh, plot revelations that happen in Cocaine Bear. You're you're gonna want to stop and come back to this episode until after you have watched Cocaine Bear, and then come back to this. Or All re-examine right. your priorities in life, because that's like saying you care about the human plots in a kaiju movie. Well, you know, I'm just saying, if if you don't want anything spoiled, stop now. Turn back and then come back to us after you've watched it. If it if that's something you really uh, that's something really important to you. I wonder that's if fun. um I wonder if Henry Zabrowski's <laughs> upset that he missed out on getting cast as like the the Danish hiker. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know who actually was cast? Could have kept that? it together well I, I looked, but the name didn't. I I thought I should have known. Them. There were a lot of people in this movie, like um. There, there were a lot of people it, in this movie that were familiar faces and, and stuff. I know that the show kind of got bad, but it, well, while it was still good, one of the better side characters, 
the the Danish hiker was played by Tormund uh, from Game of Thrones. Uh, he famously was like, oh, the one still here. The one who like was <laughs> lusting after uh, I forget the actress's name. Uh, do you did you ever watch that show? Yeah, I mean, okay. I watched like season one and a little bit of season two. Oh, okay. Well, you wouldn't know it's scary. He was a wildling. He actually was entertaining. He was one of the uh, more favorable characters. Okay. He lusted after this big, giant, like, really, she's like a very large woman, like at least six feet tall, and she was, like, heroic. She was one of the good guys. But, oh, so, uh, it, so Henry Zabrowski. What? Was it Brienne of Tarth that he was fixated <laughs> yes, on? Yes, yes, yes. He was fixated on Brienne of Tarth. Okay. And I think his backstory was that one, that, like, sometime in his past, he, like, was hooking up with a giantess, so yeah. he, he had like so, a, so this is like Henry. So Henry Zabrowski also missed out on that because that's like his Henry Zabrowski. <laughs> <laughs> so it, this, <clears throat> it's the scene at the end when they're in the cave. He's kind of got his his jacket unzipped a little bit. He's still wearing the belt. Okay. They just, they, talk about it like he's wearing that i kept waiting for that to come back for some reason like surely to goodness there's there is some reason they pointed that out but i guess it was just a little bit of character work they threw in just near as continuity. I but so, yeah he had it on there at the end i was like oh is that gonna be like a is it gonna be something that saves his life because it's like you know a solid object that's between him and whatever or something but so the movie starts and this guy's kind of chucking um chucking cocaine off the plane kind of being a dipshit and then he goes to jump with like a bag full of it and he hits his head on the um the side of the plane which i was a little like oh come on that's a little too on the nose if you're doing like a horror movie um so all this stuff lands in a park and a bear gets into it so there's these two hikers and now what i did find funny is he's on the ground and the bear just fucking tackles his girlfriend and he runs like a little bitch. And I texted them. I'm like, man, that guy just got cucked so hard by that bear. Um, the opening on. OK. How can I best put this? At least for me. Um, until you get to a certain point in the film. To me, it feels like that you are. Um, it, it's it's actually it's it's kind of horrifying. Well, the Some movie. Of the here's the thing. Um, this is a comedy, but the movie never. What I what I appreciate about the movie and one of the things and why I think it's actually a good B movie, is the movie takes itself seriously all the way through. It never stops and winks at you. It plays it straight. Yeah. yeah. Even like the absurd shit that happens in this is like straight. It's a. It's basically a black comedy, yeah. Because uh, because it ha- it's it has like graphic violence. It's not the most violent film I've ever seen, but uh, it, it is very vi- very violent and gory at points. Actually, um, I don't think it's super gory because like the real violent stuff is off screen and implied more than anything. It's other than like, just, yeah, it's just barely out of frame kind of stuff. Other than Ray Liotta getting his entrails eaten at the end is probably the yes. goriest thing that happened. Yeah. But even hey, that's like I, kind of dark. Can I digress uh, a second? Go for yeah. it. I see. I, I feel like the best part of last podcast on the left. Is yeah. Like the beginning. Yeah. 
<laughs> I never played more than like the first level of, of Altered of Beast. Altered Beast, yeah. Yeah. I had gotten I back in the day. This is a weird digression, but here we go. Back in the day, I actually did um, when they had it set up at a place called Children's Palace. I did make it through the first level. Before I remember the, Children's Palace. Did yeah. It? I hated that with Mario, though, because you got like five minutes and then it reset at level yes. one. I got all the way through the first level of Altered Beast before the reset happened. And um, local video uh, game store used to have it in a display. I I don't know if it was the Genesis version because it was on multiple consoles, wasn't it? I think it was just Genesis. I think no Master System had a copy, but no one had a Master System on display, so it must have been the Genesis. Yeah, it, it, it was Genesis, because it was not on any Nintendo systems. No. I was wondering if it was like on TurboGrafx-16 or something. Not that I'm aware of, but... In any event... Um... A lot of the violence does take place off screen, and then you have things like blood enters from wherever that was and that sort of stuff. So the the comedy part of it is in the idea of how uh, over the top uh, I think that it gets. And yeah, it gets over the top. Um It, it, I, I'll just go ahead and say I'm, the, I'm the, the one in the middle on this because this is a – maybe it's that I have – I'm not enough of a horror buff for it or I'm not uh, – I don't know. I'm not, I'm not deep enough into the, the, the black comedy genre or something, but this was just a bonkers watch for me. A lot of what it does, like where some of the humor comes from, is it does like subversions of um, some horror things. So like the tree scene, yeah, where it does all of that build up um, of him chasing the kid, and then it goes after the other guy, and that's just like instantly over, and he's chewing on the guy. Like stuff like that's kind of like fucking with like the expect expectations of horror, where they build all the suspense, and then there's like no even pretense that they're going to make you wait. Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it well, it does subvert some expectations, because you're like, oh, this kid's going to be, like, dead. But it, that doesn't happen. Spoiler, yeah, right. the kid, the kid, no kid is actually, like, harmed. Yeah. Right. Now, the, like, truly harmed. The first laugh it got out of me is, like, so they run away, and the way the guy just falls out of the tree, like, I laughed. Mm-hmm. And then it does a line of, like, the coke off of his leg, which was humorous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was still at the point where I was just kind of like, but see that Uh, scene though, like they didn't show anything happened to him. Um, They just saw like the blood coming down. Then you saw his like leg come down with him. Yeah. You're right. But I was still kind of in that, like kind of wincing away from the camera thing. And now Uh, my, my favorite part of the movie though, so there's this park ranger that's involved and she runs back to the cabin because the bear kind of mauls her a bit when like they get to the big, the big, like the bear is starting its rampage and the, the punks are in there and um, she has this kid open the door cause she's going to shoot the bear. And then she totally blows this guy's brains out. She, she um, oh, yeah. 
she misses. <laughs> that, that's where the absurdity, the over-the-top absurdity finally got to me. And I'm just yeah. like, okay, all right. Because, by the way, the park ranger played First by off. beloved character actor yeah. Mark Martindale. Yeah, I was about to say that. Shout out, it's it's Mags Bennett from Justified yes. Season 2. Yes. Now, what did you I, like, get? I looked her up because I was my, – both my wife and I were like, she, this woman looks familiar. And then I looked yep. her up, and it's like, oh, my God, it's Mags Bennett. There, yep. there were a lot of people like that in this movie for me. She is markedly less scary in this movie than yeah. she was as Mags Bennett. But I also thought, like, the CGI and the bear, I didn't like it at first, but as the movie progressed, I'm like, eh, I kind of like that the bear is li- – like, the bear has, like, a tiny, tiny hint of cartoon to it. Uh, it which... is just a little bit too much facial expression on it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, but you're right, yeah. So um, so this all happens after, so the, base, the basic plot is, and why all the characters are there, so there's these drug dealers there for the cocaine, there's these kids that ditch school, um... One of the drug dealers, by the way, well, two, the two drug dealers in question... Mm-hmm. Uh, before Ray Liotta showed up, shows up, and he's not even in the movie that much. I think it's like his last film too. It's a. Uh, I look. One he, has, is, he has like two still to come out. Okay, uh, one is played by O'Shea Jackson, who, uh, if you don't know who he is, he is actually a big wrestling fan, a big okay. WWE, big WWE fan. Though, but uh, and he is the the son of Ice Cube, and he's been in a bunch of stuff. Oh, uh, okay. And, yeah, and the other one is uh i forget his name uh he's american but he has like a very to me a very european sounding name one is like he actually played uh, han solo in that solo movie that they did a few years back or huh. something ever came up but that's uh he's actually i think he's a pretty decent uh you know character actor secondary actor i thought yeah. both of them were pretty good like um they had good chemistry together. I thought their scenes were pretty good. Um, Ice Cube's kid, like David, like yeah. just being the yeah. one that like all the bad shit happened to was oh, humorous. Yeah. He kept eating shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he really did. Like when he just turns to the knife sticking out of his bag, it's like, aw. Oh, and a shout out also to beloved character actor, uh, former star of uh, the, the Wire, Clayton Davis in the Wire. Oh yeah, uh, that actor <laughs> <laughs> playing a very uh, a guy absolutely like falls in love in a good way for his uh he's like I was like a, almost like a, I don't know if it's a Bichon Frise it's like a little frou dog yeah that I thought was kind of adding humor to it yeah it, it helped he was actually I thought he was the best performer in this whole thing. Because Carrie Russell's in it, but she kind of she's really up and the the acting's really up and down in this. Like I'm not gonna not gonna lie, but um, so so you have you have a group of drug dealers there after the drugs. You have Carrie Russell's looking for a daughter. You have these kids that played hooky. You have the um the park ranger and the guy that she's hoping to hook up with that are there, and then you have the police officer that's there too get the drugs like and bust the drug dealer. So that's like your cast of characters. 
And your delinquents. Oh, yeah, and your delinquents. They're just there to steal. Yeah. Um, the absolute um, shit-kicking the delinquents take is a lot of fun to watch. Um, I, I, I did enjoy that quite a bit. They're really being obtuse and dumb about that. They should have backed off. It, the fact that you pull a knife on a guy and he looks at you and goes, seriously? It, it, at that point, you know this is probably not someone you want to pursue violence with. Yeah. Because either he knows how to handle you or he does not care and you're going to be in quite a lot of trouble. Yeah. It's it's coming for you. Um, but yeah, the, that, that scene in the cabin that you mentioned, Brad, that's, that's where the absurdity finally started hitting me. Um, and when the, the paramedic comes in and, and Margot Martindale's propped up on the wall and the paramedic's trying to check her out and she reaches over and, and takes the stethoscope instead of like leaning over to the woman and saying it, she takes the stethoscope and whispers, into the step I'm just like okay all right they know full well what they're doing here yeah and then so the bear like knocks the door down on one of the paramedics and they she gets her like in the ambulance the park ranger the other paramedic does yeah and now the other pair the one paramedic under the door only manages to escape because he grabs his medical bag and the bear thinks that's more cocaine yes so they take off and now the one thing I do like about this movie is they never play any music in this that does not sound like 80s music. Yeah. Oh yeah, the time. This Go is ahead. Set in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Early 80s. 80. Uh, I don't remember when the real cocaine bear happened. It happened in the late 70s um, because. Okay, so not far from me is there is a. Um, a vendor named Kentucky for Kentucky and they have the Kentucky fun mall and they actually have the taxidermied Pablo Escobar there who the original, this is the original cocaine bear who did not have a rampage. This is the cocaine bear that um, found the cocaine in the woods, ate a bunch of it and then just flopped over and died um, and was taxidermied and the taxidermied cocaine bear was owned by Waylon Jennings because, sure, I guess. You probably just catch him sniffing it all the time. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> but yeah, um, you know, the, here you go. You've got the, the scene. You've got uh, – they've got people in the ambulance. And Margot Martindale is – she's, like, beat up, but she's also cussing out this other – He's cussing out this other uh, EMT for not closing the doors on the back of the ambulance. Yeah, and this bear leaps in. Um, she, she's, she's literally strapped to a stretcher, so she flies out the back and pretty much dies because she. Um, you see her much later in the movie. <laughs> she is, her her head is road rashed across the pavement. Yeah. Um. So then the bear starts mauls the two um, ambulance drivers and the ambulance crashes. And this is all just some like happy chase music. Um, and I had it. I 
I had a pretty good laugh at this part because I was already la- I was still laughing from um the punk getting his head blown off. Well, yeah. Um, incidentally, this movie starts the the song it starts with is Orange Cassidy's entrance music. That was my first observation of the whole thing. Is it starts with Jane by Jefferson Starship? There's actually a scene <laughs> a scene later that follows this up where the one punk that's still alive talks about how they're his buds and he like you see the decapitated friend and the friend with his head blown like his brains blown out sitting there. Yep. That yep. which I, I found I thought was funny. Uh-huh. Um so that's kind of what I would say is the the height of the movie. I think that the 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 Camden and ambulance scene is is encapsulates the feel of the movie as a whole. I think that's how I would put it. If if I was going to show someone a part of this movie that didn't want to watch the whole thing, I would show them the door part and the ambulance part. Like that's what I would show them. Cuz you kind of get like the whole feel of the movie from those two. You could run that that whole scene, I think. Yeah. So then this all kind of ends with um there's kind of a standoff at the gazebo and um poor David gets two of his fingers blown off. And I like the observations like how did he get two that weren't even next to each other <laughs> blown off? It's a hell of a shot, man. How'd you do that? Well then um, I like the part where he's like getting hit like the other guy's like grabbing his fingers. Like, can I just at least get his fingers? Like, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. They The, you, as you said, they never like turn and wink at the camera, but they also make decisions that are um, the kind of thing that you, uh, they feel like yeah, they it feels like they're like, yeah, we're in that kind of movie. You can go ahead and do that. I don't that's I'm not going to worry about that part. Now if I, that makes sense. Yeah. I Now, after the after the gazebo part, when they do the cave stuff, I kind of was just like, eh, this is kind of dumb. This part. Attention, everyone. We have reached the climax of the movie. Are you prepared for the climax of the movie? That's that. That's how that that section felt like. But that's where that first hiker comes back. <laughs> he pops back up at that point. Matt, you've been quiet for a minute. Are are you are you seething or what's up? No, I'm not <laughs> seething. I just like I didn't really care for the movie. Yeah, like honestly, I just didn't like we uh, my I watched it with my wife and we watched the 30 minutes one night and then the rest of it the next night. And we watched that first 30 minutes and my wife at the end of that 30 minutes, because you had to shut up because I was like so tired. My wife was like, OK, so when does it start getting funny? And I'm like, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm not really laughing at anything. And it did get uh, more, I would say, outlandish after the tree scene. Mm-hmm. But I didn't think it was like as crazy uh, as it could have been, or as over the top. Uh, maybe I'm jaded. Maybe I'm jaded. I'm like, it, it, to me, it was like, it was, was gory, but not like outrageously gory. And I didn't really think it was like that funny. Maybe others did, but my wife has like a, a funny streak. She, 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 like, have you ever seen the film, like, This is the End? Uh, I have Ryan. not. 
But is that Jonah the Hill. who was in that again? Uh, Danny McBride, Jonah Hill. Okay. Uh, that group of guys. It's very violent at times, and my oh, wife okay. would watch the violent scenes and just like burst out laughing. She thought it was really funny. Uh, and this, like the violent scenes, she's like shrugging her shoulders, like, uh. Well, I mean, I get that. It's whereas most of the stuff that I have watched is not quite so. Um, not, not, I guess, <clears throat> not really in the same realm as what you get here. Um, the outlandishness, it, it, to me, it got it got bonkers enough that it finally was far enough over the edge that I was like, okay, this is this is this is just this is crazy pants. And maybe that's just me, um, which you know that's fine. Uh, you know that that happens, not a big deal, but it, I, I suppose it's just what whatever it is you happen to be seasoned with is is gonna um build your response to it i think um i think i think so if i were to recommend this to someone i would have to know it would depend on the person i think i think if you see this and think you're gonna like it you're probably gonna like it and if you don't think you're gonna like it you're not gonna like it like it's not going to I don't think you're going to go in and be disappointed by this if you're not expecting like a masterpiece. But I also think if you're going in with if you're if you're if you're not inclined to like it, even if you go in with an open mind, I don't think it's going to necessarily win you over because I don't think it's I don't think it's try, it's just trying to be like itself. Like, I don't think it cares. Like if you're if it's not your thing, I don't think it cares. I know what it reminds me of. Because what it what this watching this it makes me think of Snakes on a Plane, which is another movie where it's like, hey, guess what? This is a movie where I, there's a plane I with actually, snakes on it. I actually think this is better than Snakes on a Plane. I'm not comparing the the, the quality. I'm just saying that this it's what it it's that's what it reminds me of in it, that. The, that that's what it reminded me of too, but I, I do think I like it better than Snakes on a Plane. It had a little more depth to it than just Samuel L. Jackson going, "There are some motherfucking snakes on these this motherfucking plane." Okay. Incidentally, that lends itself to my favorite bad network TV dub for a movie I have ever heard, which is Samuel L. Jackson being dubbed for. I have had it with these monkey fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane, (laughs) which is so stupid, but but it's just, it's like, the hell are we doing here again? But it's like, hey, we got to do this stuff to get it on network network TV, so I guess that's what we're doing with it. Um, Still, obviously it amuses me enough to to bring it up but i think where i think where this movie has its strengths for me is it doesn't ever stay it's welcome um mm. it stays well paced it's only 90 minutes um it actually doesn't beat you over the head too hard with like the funny or the winking at the screen it takes itself seriously and honestly like a lot of the comedy is a little understated because 
it's trying you know it's taking itself seriously so like the ambulance scene is like really over the top and stupid but that's like really the only scene like the rest of the time the humor is kind of a little more subtle but where i think where i think my issues with it are is it has the kaiju movie problem where i wanted less human and more cocaine bear Yeah, you for the first part of the movie you have markedly little of the title character. Which which pissed me off in Blade Trinity, but I don't know, I didn't seem to mind it as much here. And it really could have killed some more people. I mean, I think the people killed more people than the the bear did. Um to... I well, because you don't see there. There's two takedown. Well, technically three takedowns. The ambulance, one in the cabin. Uh, both hikers. One, both hikers. Bray Liotta. Yeah. Um. No, I, th- I think the bear has more. Yeah, I think he's true. got more. It it's spread out more though. Um, there is uh, you don't have as much bear doing bear things as uh, you might expect in Cocaine Bear. Like there's you get the you get the bear at the beginning, and then you have a a lull period where you you do not have bear. You have no bear. Yeah, and it it comes back around to bear. But for a while, you have no bear. Yeah. And it doesn't really build anticipation for more bear sometimes. Like, I have, um, I think that was a bit of a failing. I do want to see, like, um, Cocaine Bear Takes Manhattan as, like, the sequel. (laughs) (laughs) The fact that they subverted the... um... Or Cocaine Bear and, or Cocaine Bear X, Cocaine Bear in Space. The fact that at the end of it they subverted the the Disney death for the bear and then like the bear takes the falling rock oh bear's dead and then you, it just it gets a whiff of cocaine and it's back at full power. I know the, the, if you if you really think about the point of the movie the bear won. Yeah, because bear, bear got the got coke. Co- yeah, yeah, bear got cocaine. But and then it probably ate some hikers at the end, too. Uh Oh, yeah, those people who got too close to Cocaine Bear. Yeah. To me, this is just – it's it's weird, but I also appreciate this – the place that it has. Like, I – It's a B-movie. It's, it's, it's a well-done B-movie with probably a little more budget than those, like, um, Asylum films. This the, so I, I didn't realize this till I went looking at it later. But apparently this was directed by Elizabeth Banks. Yep. And she had the she had done a movie prior to this that had not done well. Oh, Charlie's Angels. Yeah, that bombed horribly. I think she learned her lesson with this. Or this is more in her wheelhouse than um than what that was. 
I didn't even know they had made a new Charlie's Angels. So it had um oh fuck what's her name Kristen Stewart uh <sighs> who was the other two basically no one that you'd heard of yeah because <laughs> well it, that was at the that was trying to be mean but... no yeah no no that's no that was at the height where they were trying to take all these properties and like wokeify them and um they were trying to take they were trying to like subvert the other one because like you know pretty girls bad and like change it up but i think what they don't and what what i think the problem with that was other than it was nobody's is like no one gives a fuck about Charlie's Angels anymore. The first one was popular because it captured um, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and like Lucy Liu at like the height of their stardom, which you don't get very often. And it played to the. It was a nostalgia piece With that camp. was. It was specifically targeted. It feels like it was specifically targeted for when it was put out. Yeah. So. But redoing Charlie's Angels, you don't have that same nostalgia because that generation is kind of past the point about of caring about new movies. The the only people that still remember what Charlie's Angels are, like the youngest they are, is us. That might have watched it with like our parents or like our grandparents on like Nick at Night or like TV Land or something. <laughs> like I knew it existed, but I never watched it. I didn't watch it either. I knew like, like the jokes about it. Yeah. If you want Charlie's angels memories out of me, then it's going to be <clears throat> from whatever the, I don't know if it was a second or third one, the one that had to me more in it. And so the, the trailers that were on TV had to me more and Cameron Diaz do this very obviously terrible wire food kick sequence. Oh, and God. then yeah. land on top of a, a ledge while Thunderstruck played behind it. And I was like, uh... God, everyone was doing that shit after The Matrix. <laughs> I don't think I'm here for this one. No, I thought this... I thought... I don't, I don't... I haven't seen anything she's done before. I know that Charlie's Angels was supposedly terrible, but this seemed... Um, this seemed to be in her wheelhouse, whatever... Um, whatever that may be. <laughs> but I mean, over, overall, um, I guess we can get into what we thought. Like, I liked it. I'm the, the liked it person. I would say, um, I think it's a well-made B movie. And, um, I enjoyed it in that aspect. I would not call it a cinematic classic. I would not tell everyone to go see this. Um, but like, if I had a friend that's like into bad movies or like, you know, kaiju stuff or like dumb horror movies, um, I would say, yeah, go check this out because you'll probably enjoy it. I was the not like it person. Uh, I didn't think it was that good. Like, I didn't hate it. Uh, it describing it as a B movie is probably like the best uh, case scenario. It probably pretty much is, but it's not really a film that I would see myself watching again. Like I watched it, but that's, that's pretty much it. Like I'm not really going to go back to it. You know, sadly I would probably watch it again, mostly because the runtime makes it easily digestible. Yeah, that's true. This, this felt like a, in 
early mid nineties. It had an early mid nineties feel to it for me and in just kind of the presentation and how it reminded me of going to the theater and having that kind of experience, I guess is the best way for me to put it. It, I am ambivalent. It's, you know, it's got some parts in and I look at it and I'm like, wow, that is out. But then this is also not something that is in my wheelhouse. Um, so I can look at it and say, okay, well, this is this probably goes over pretty well with some people. Um, you know, I'm I'm the <clears throat> I'm that hack who rides the middle of the road on this one, I guess. I think it's definitely like a niche movie. Uh, I think that's the best way to put it. <laughs> like I said, I think it knows its audience, and it doesn't care if you're not in that audience, which I which I actually kind of admire because a lot of movies are too scared to do that now. That's fair. It actually did pretty well. It made money. It made like ninety million. I uh, see. I I think it's that they weren't overreaching and trying too hard. And gosh, because well, it came out against something I, and it tracked better than it, and it was kind of hilarious. Well, I think uh, I looked it up actually like last night. I don't have it in front of me, but it it was made relatively cheaply. Like thirty million, I think. Like thirty million. Yeah. Yeah, like thirty million. So let's say you spend like another thirty million for marketing and other stuff. Okay, that's sixty million. But it ain't ninety, so it's like it probably modestly made money at the box office before you even talk about like streaming or DVD sales, etc. Uh, it probably did it decently enough. Uh, I don't, I don't really consider it like a horror movie. It, I know it has like. At times, it seems like it has elements of like that. It's more to me like a black comedy. It's kind of like Shaun uh, of the Dead to me. It's in that. Although kind of... Shaun of the Dead, Shaun of the Dead to me, like it's that's more straight up horror. Maybe it's because that movie has like zombies and stuff in it. But maybe zombie land. Uh, to me, like again, if you're having like classic horror villains like zombies, like monsters. Like no, I, I probably wouldn't. Uh. I did think that this is it does kind of like track in the sense of like the the horror genre though, mm-hmm. uh, and horror horror genre films like if you notice like they always are like cheaply made, mm-hmm. at most because like, they don't necessarily they're not necessarily like big franchises where they don't employ like really you know high end actors and actresses, mm-hmm. but they usually make like a ton of money. So it's like if you like you can make like a horror film uh, for like. 10 million let's say and it will almost always be successful because even if it makes like 30 40 million which it probably mm-hmm. will uh it's pretty much already made money it's like made 10, 10 million to make like let's say 10 million marketing if you would spend that much so 20 million it's like basically anything after that is like profit mm-hmm. and so if you make like 30 40 million like you made like 10 20 million off this thing which doesn't seem like a lot but the return on investment for what you put into it is actually quite high yeah. So, and to compare that to other like genres, which you could possibly talk about, but it's like, especially like Marvel movies now, it's like they don't make money. And why would they make money when it costs like 500 million uh, in terms of like making the film, marketing the film, etc.? It's like you pretty much have to make like if the if the whole metric is true, where it's like oh you got to make double your box office. 
because there's a lot of hands that go into the pot. Like you, you get mm-hmm. like the studio gets like a certain amount of money, but mm-hmm. then like the movie theaters get money, et cetera, et cetera. You basically, so you, you're, you're essentially saying like, oh, to make like for a $500 million film, you're going to have to actually make like a billion dollars before you actually are starting to be in the black. And most films don't even do that. And, so, they, well, and the other thing is that it's become a big issue is they stupidly got into the streaming war and they killed physical media. And what used to happen in the 2000s is a lot of those movies would do OK at the theaters, but then they would hit DVD and find a following. And like almost all of those movies ended up making money because of DVD sales. And they don't even get the DVD sales anymore. And like if you're Disney, you don't even get licensing fees for that. You just put it on Disney Plus and like do an accounting transaction to look like you paid yourself for it where, you know, you didn't make any money off of it. You just pretend you pretended you did. Mm-hmm. So they uh, don't even get like that back end money anymore. An old like a uh, like interview clip from uh, what's the name? Matt Damon. I think he was talking about this. Like he's basically talking like back in the day. Oh, is this he that wing clip? Like, is that him like chewing, eating uh, chi- like hot chicken wings and like crying while he's doing this? I think so. I think so. But he, I forget. I actually didn't know that that was where it's from. But he was asked, and he's basically like, well, you know, it, like you, uh, some of these studios and in movies, like they don't make money off off uh, like DVD sales and stuff like they did before. So. A film that could be not that profitable or mostly profitable at the box office do like okay like back in the day like Goodwill Hunting like that actually I think did decently but I mean that was definitely like a smaller film more of an art house film but he would be like oh it's back in the day like we would have you get a lot of hype for the films uh, and people would go and, and get stuff on on DVD sales and things like that and you'd actually make like a a decent profit off of it uh, but that's not happening anymore like you. A lot of people don't really that not people not not really do uh, DVD sales at all. Like I guess Walmart maybe sometimes pops up, but I don't know. Best Buy has a couple, I think. I mean, I get if I if I still buy any, I buy them off Amazon. But you know, for me, getting physical media, like if I'm doing that, it's something I'm very intentionally going and looking for. It's yeah. something that's like, no, I want to have this in my hands. Um, and except for like when, because uh, my wife, my wife's a big fan of the show. So when The Office left Netflix, she was she was like, well, I'm not real happy about that. And so for her birthday, I gave her the box set. So it's like whenever you want to watch it right there. There you go. No question about that. Uh, that's taken care of. <clears throat> I have not yet. I, I know that I, I could probably go through Amazon for it, but then there's there's something about the search of, of finding it and then, and you know, stumbling across it and being like, aha, I finally found you uh, kind of thing for – I'm the thing I've been looking for is uh, Deep Space Nine. But – I have not yet found physical copy Deep Space Nine for the series, so the hunt continues. Um, but that's, you know, for me, it's I'm, I've got to be specifically looking to have the physical media of of something, because I didn't keep 
a whole lot of stuff beforehand. I kind of got back to buying it because when the streaming war started, I got tired of like being halfway through something and then they'd yank it off for a different service. Uh-huh. Or it would just not be available anymore. So that's kind of why I, I stopped. But yeah, they really they really hamstrung themselves with that. But I also think this this movie in and of itself, like that mid tier movie that comes out in theaters, that might be like your second or third choice that wasn't like a high budget movie, but like makes the studio money. Like those are a dying art form because like when you see all this stuff coming out now, like it's way too expensive to make, and they all end up losing money because, you know. They're spending two hundred million dollars on a movie that's only gonna make a hundred and fifty in the market. Yeah. So I think um I think that's kind of like these these mid budget movies I think are are kind of a lost art form. Yeah, you're you're definitely not seeing them this much. So Well, was there anything else we wanted to to hit on, guys, or are we in Pretty well talked out on Cocaine Bear. I'm good. Matt, yeah, anything nothing, you want to add? Nothing more about uh, Cocaine Bear. <laughs> okay. So, everybody, thank you for joining us for this episode. This was obviously much more laid back um, and and that sort of thing. And, uh, hey, if you've got requests for us, please send them our way. We'd love to hear from you. Hit us on our social media platforms. This is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth, and we will catch you next time.